Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Steve Williamson, who is Director of Solution Consulting at Blue Jay Solutions. And today we're going to talk about taking a fresh look at compliance screening. Now, one of the few things, and there are only a few things, that are positive about the COVID-19 uh, pandemic is that it's forced a lot of companies to reevaluate all aspects of their supply chain processes and capabilities. And one of those areas is compliance screening. What is compliance screening? Um, why has it become you know, more important? And what capabilities should companies look for in a solution? Well, those are just some of the key questions we're gonna address in today's episode. And it's great to welcome Steve back to the program to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So Steve, welcome to the program. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me back. Look forward to talking to you, catching up. It's been a little while. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the negative things about the COVID-19 pandemic is that, you know, with all these conferences that have been canceled and, and so forth and turned virtually, you know, you miss out on these opportunities to, to run into in person with old right. friends and yeah. colleagues in, in, in the industry. Um, but, uh, but congratulations, you're officially our first guest of 2021. So well, fantastic. Uh, fantastic. I know you've been on for, for many, many years, you know, uh, over the years talking about different, you know, topics. And uh, certainly this is one that I think, um, you know, certainly one of the reasons we're having this discussion today is, is one that perhaps might have been overlooked in the past, as I just said, but it's something yeah. that's become, you know, certainly becoming more important. So let's just dive right into it. And, and, and for folks that may not be familiar with what we're, what me, what, you know, compliance screening means, why don't we start there? I mean, what is compliance screening? Great question. Um, and, and it can be like many things in the, in the industry, it can be interpreted different ways, but for us, the, the way I kind of break it down, I, I, I break it down into first, it's, it's a prevention method. It's all about making sure that, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Customs don't come, you know, knocking on your door, um, because at that point, you probably have done something. Um, so it's really about making sure that they don't come and visit you. And really, it's around three areas that we look at. We look at it from a, who do you do business with from a party perspective? You know, are you working with companies um, or individuals that are not necessarily on someone's list? The other areas, of course, is embargoes. Those are a little bit more obvious, right? Um, but it is something you need to think about. And the, the third area is, you know, the item or the component that you're moving, does it have any type of license restrictions? Is there anything that, you know, you should know about or the government wants to regulate, let's say, the amount that is shipped into a particular country um, or the value, uh, et cetera, that may happen as you're trying to move those goods? So when you when you think about compliance for our discussion today, I kind of lump those three into a program that helps you make sure that you're doing the right things with the right people and following the right rules so you don't get that knock. Right. And the, 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 the I mean, I like you broken down into those different categories because I think sometimes people might think, well, it's just making sure that you're not, you know, shipping things to, you know, countries that we shouldn't be dealing with. But, you know, it goes beyond that, as you talked about it, right? And it goes down to the product level, the item level. Um, and, and not only countries, but individuals perhaps as well too, Absolutely. that, that, that's part of this compliance, uh, you know, program. And I think one of the things that uh, makes this even more complex is that this is not a static, uh, thing, right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's constantly, right. It's, it's, it's constantly changing, right. So you have to, you know, stay, stay on top of it. 
Um, you know, I mentioned, you know, the pandemic, obviously, you know, we're early on in 2021 here, but it's still having an impact on supply chains. I mean, how has the pandemic, um, you know, elevated the importance of, of, of compliance screening? I mean, is it, has it changed it in, in some ways? Well, it has. Um, the pandemic's changed a, a lot of things. Like um, I, I wore a collar shirt today for you, you know, <laughs> but besides those types of things, um, when you think about, again, those, what I had described a few minutes ago, and we think about your network, um, you know, if, you know, where are you sourcing goods from? You know, who are you shipping to? You know, in the past, you, you had mentioned, I, I thought you had mentioned e-commerce, right? When you think about, you know, the fact that, you know, we're just buying differently. And I think that will continue even after the pandemic is, is lifted, we'll still have this buying and consuming more directly, which is breaking people out of the supply chain. And subsequently, the responsibility of where you are in that supply chain and where you're pushing things to now is maybe on you. And you didn't realize that. Or like I said earlier with the, with the suppliers, if, you know, if you're sourcing things from a particular country and you're having trouble with that, and now you're going to another country, well, how do you just know that those companies that you're doing business with are, are, are okay, to keep it simple? So that that supply chain and the view of the supply chain is really what could have shifted potentially for people in regards to, again, responsibility of, of where you're doing business and how you're doing business. Yeah, that's a great point because, I mean, and again, this is one of those areas where reevaluation, reevaluating makes sense because, you know, one of the things that we've seen, obviously, as you, you talked about is, you know, the, the surge in e-commerce and, and in many cases, it's companies doing e-commerce for the first time or, maybe doing direct to consumer shipping, but maybe they used to work with distributors or other third parties where, you know, those entities were the ones that were primarily responsible for the compliance aspect of it. But now that they've taken ownership of doing the shipping directly themselves, now they find themselves in the situation where they have to, you know, take primary responsibility, you know, for this. I think the other aspect is that, um, you know, I think you mentioned it as well. One of the things that we're seeing right now is companies reevaluating their, their overall supply chain network, right? Where are they Absolutely. manufacturing products from? Where are they sourcing from? Where are they uh, shipping, you know, the to and from locations? And as those changes are being made, you have to take these things into consideration to make sure that, um, you know, from a compliance standpoint, that you, you aren't going to, um, you know, run into any kind of roadblocks or, or challenges because you didn't take a look at that upfront as you're making those network design changes Absolutely. or considerations. Um, which, which again, leads me to my next question. I mean, ultimately, and you brought it up in, in your opening comment there as well. I mean, what risks do companies face if they don't have robust compliance screening capabilities? We talked about prevention to your point, right? Um, but the other piece is it just could be delays, you know, in, in your supply chain based upon what you're doing business with. You know, there's the obvious things of fines, right? That's the the fines and the penalties and the the jail time. You know, are are absolutely things that can occur. Now, those are the extremes, right? You've got to really be doing some things bad in those particular cases. But the other thing, and it's not often talked about, but it does happen out there, is brand brand reputation in regards to just trying to be. Um, you know, in doing the right things. And I have been surprised over the years that the companies, and it's usually driven by an exec or someone within the organization that says, I just want to make sure I'm doing business, you know, in a, in a, in a good um, way globally. And subsequently, something as simple as 
that brand protection and having a defendable compliance program. It goes way back when, but I won't mention the, the, the brand, but there was a, someone that was photoed with a particular jewelry item on. So subsequently, that company that makes that jewelry took a hit, not took a hit because that person was photoed with something that they had, because you can't prevent that ultimately. But they didn't have a defendable compliance program. So they couldn't you know, stand up and say, well, hold on now. I try to do the right thing. And these are the types of programs that I have in place. They didn't have anything. So subsequently, what they ship is not dual use. It can't be you know, used in an, a, a bad way. But they didn't really think about the fact of, hey, you know, geez, I just want to be, be a good citizen and, and have that, that brand protection, that brand awareness of type of program in, the, in, the, in their mix, in their supply chain. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a great point because I think that um, you're right. I mean, I think early on when I was covering, you know, compliance um, as an industry analyst many years ago, you know, the main focus of deterrent was these fines or penalties. And, you know, and I would always scratch my head because, you know, it's like, oh, you know, some of those could be pretty substantial, you know, depending on how, uh, you know, bad the, right. the breakdown is. But it didn't seem to be much of a deterrent because companies were still managing this with spreadsheets and, and so forth. But I think the smart companies were recognizing that, hey, you know what, those fines and so forth, even though they could be large, um, they're nothing compared to the financial impact of, ha of the brand, right? And, and damaging the brand image or the brand culture, brand reputation. And, and that's something that I think more and more sophisticated companies are you know, be, becoming attuned to. And I think secondly, you know, you know, we talk about, I think one of, one of the things right now with the pandemic that we've always talked about, it, but it, it certainly came to the spotlight again is the fact that, you know, being agile, responsive, you know, speed is, is critical uh, right. more than ever. And if you are falling uh, short on the compliance side of things where things are being held at customs or things are being held from shipments, you know, shipments are being delayed as a result of, of a poor compliance program, you know, that impacts customer service, that impacts the ability oh, to, you know, sure. meet your commitments and, and so forth. So it really has broad um, implications beyond just, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the fines and the, and, yeah. and, and the penalties. And going back to the brand piece, um, you know, it's one thing, you don't want to be in the front page of the Wall Street Journal, you know, uh, uh, being highlighted as, as having fallen short on, on compliance. But in this day and age with social media and, and people kind of amplifying, you know, any wrongdoing, if you will, um, I think it's, it's even more, it's a bigger risk today than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. Where, again, you didn't have, you know, folks that were retweeting and, you know, sharing these sto stories and, and, and cases on, on a more, uh, you know, broad uh, basis. Um, you know, so, so I think that, they, I mean, this compliance, you know, screening apply only to exports or does it apply more, more broadly? Well, if you think, if we think about compliance in general, and we've talked about a few examples of that, you know, traditionally, as you've alluded to some of the thought processes going back a few years has been around, it applies to an export, right? I'm moving something from a country to another country. Um, what that's true, of course, um, it does apply. And a lot of, I mentioned um, licenses are required to go from one country to another country, but there's still the concept of making sure that you're doing business with the right people, you're hiring the right people. So if you think about, you know, 
sending an email to a, a colleague or sending an email to you know someone in Iran or sending an email, it's the same thing as an export. So colleges, you know, that are you know doing co-op programs where they're exchanging maybe you know schematics of uh, you know plane engines, who knows, right? Uh, of what they're doing, they still have to think about these types of things. That it doesn't have to be a physical, it doesn't have to be a big crate that's going on a plane or on a boat. Um, it can be an electronic, but on top of that, what people also lose. Um, sometimes is a lot of the the parties that are on some of the denied party lists are citizens of their own country so you know if i'm a if i'm a manufacturer of arrows or you know you know binoculars you know you still have to think about shipping you had mentioned um you know the the amplification that happens in our society now right when when an event and not only how it's handled you know in, in the news, but in social media and some of these other aspects. So subsequently having that defendable compliance program to be able to say, no, I'm trying to do the right things is, is becoming just as important as that, that penalty fine prevention because of things like that is that, you know, you have these transactions that I could be just shipping from California to Massachusetts. And now subsequently that person does something that they shouldn't have. And do I have a defendable way to say, no, I'm doing the best I can and, and stuff. Because like I said, a lot of the denied parties, whether it's companies or people are on, are citizens of their own country, um, which is right. sometimes overlooked. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great point. You know, and I think it, it boils down to, you know, you know, no system is 100% perfect all the time, right? I mean, there's, particularly when you have, you know, the, the human element in there. But I think you have to be able to show, you know, some due diligence. You have to be able to show some good faith effort in in having a compliance program in place. Because, you know, the you know I didn't know, or, or hey, I've got these pieces of paper and spreadsheets. You know, that's not going to really, you know, uh, <laughs> put you in a good light in terms of showing that you you know put a good faith effort in uh, you know complying with the the different uh, regulations and rules that that are right. out there. Yeah, so we talked about, you know, risk mitigation. I mean, what are the benefits, uh, you know, do you see companies having from having a, you know, a robust compliance program in place? The, the big one's the obvious, which we've talked about a couple of times, which is that, you know, it's insurance. It's the ability for you to prevent the knock or to prevent the fine. Um, and then you had mentioned and in, in talked about the, the you know, the brand protection, the brand, you know, making sure that you're trying to do the right things. And, and those are, are all, to me, it's always about just being, having a defendable compliance program. You know, if you're shipping t-shirts, you know, versus if you're shipping electronic components for, you know, nuclear reactors, there's a difference there, right? Those are the obvious companies that, you know, if I'm, if I'm dual use, I, I ship civilian, but, you know, you're in that, you know, I ship binoculars. I had mentioned those earlier, or maybe I'm an archery provider. You, you know, you still have to think about, you know, what happens there and who are you shipping to? Is it just domestic? Well, again, think about that. There's a, you know, the, the listeners can go out there and look at, but there's a, there's a, the um, Bureau of um, BIS part of the, the government publishes a, literally a document that says, don't let this happen to you. It's a PDF that they, and it's all about the fines and, you know, the jail terms in some cases, but it, 
they publicize that because you don't want to be on that list, right? It's not good if my company name is in there, is, is part of that. But you can go and you can Google it and you can bring it up because they're trying to kind of get out there and make awareness that don't let this happen to you, right? Don't be this company because maybe it's, like I said, something as simple as just having a compliance program like we're talking about that's much better to have now than to be on that list in a year from now or two years from now. Right. Well, it's always better to be proactive uh, than than uh, be reactive, <laughs> reactive and be on the uh, offense as opposed to be on the defensive when it when it comes to these types of things. I think the other aspect of it is, and again, this is something that I've seen, you know, as as an analyst is, you know, we always tend to think of all aspects of the supply chain in kind of these silos, but the reality is that. You know everything in supply chain, and it, it's all part of a system, right? And compliance yeah, really is part of the overall supply chain. It's part of the overall, you know, logistics processes. And what happens or doesn't happen with compliance has an impact on transportation, has an impact on, you know, other aspects of it. So, I mean, how does it? How do you see compliance screening fitting into the overall logistics landscape? I mean, again, it goes back. A couple things pop out. What, what happens is you're as good as the information of when you did that initial compliance, right? So if you think about manufacturers that may have long delays, or not delays, a long time frame in between creating or accepting an order and actually shipping an order. So maybe it's a two-month process to get you know whatever manufacturer to get it to get it sent. A lot can change. You had mentioned earlier about this is very much a changing environment. It's a compliance environment. So subsequently, we're updating content daily. Um, so, so something that was okay yesterday doesn't necessarily dictate that it's okay today. So subsequently, when you think about logistics and transportation and that, that gap of time frame, that's really what tells you, do I have to be two or three checks that you, we think about the acronyms, the OMS, the TMS, right? The WMSs, all these acronym solutions that are out there. Well, you'll find compliance programs bolting into those because it's all about, well, when's the right time? Some companies may, may screen three or four times throughout a life cycle of just something as simple as an order. So that's always important for a company to weigh that, you know, there's always people hopefully within an organization that help them weigh their risk and be able to dictate to them, geez, we, you know, we take an order and we ship it tomorrow. Well, yeah, I, I would agree, you know, but if I'm a, again, I go to the extremes uh, sometimes in my examples, but I am that binoculars or I have infrared devices that I, you know, I provide. Well, if I've got two days or three days in between taking the order and when I'm ultimately fulfilling it, I might want to consider that compliance program multiple times in my supply chain, right? Some people think of it as just simply when I get the order. Well, you got to think about the rest of the time that that goes on within there. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great point because I think you know, uh, um, you know, historically, I think a lot of companies have thought about just that that front end, right? So, hey, an order comes in. Well, let's look who who's the person ordering it or the entity ordering. Who's you know who's it being sent to and so forth. And if it passes, okay. But as we talked about before, you know, these things are very dynamic. These lists and, and the regulations are very dynamic. And depending on whatever uh, changes might occur, whether with the regulations or otherwise, between the time you take the order and you ship it, particularly if you, you're talking about multiple days or maybe even a week or more, yeah. you know, there could be changes there. And, and you know, 
making sure that you have uh, you know that screening done multiple times is uh, you know you know critical there. You know, and again, yeah, it just absolutely. shows you that you know this is the type of thing that you really have to think of it within the context of the overall end-to-end -end process flow and, and identifying where compliance screening you know fits into that whole overall workflow. And, and in many cases, as you noted, it's not just at one single data point or just one point in that process. It might be across multiple points in that process. Well said, for sure. So, uh, you know, Steve, just to, as a way to wrap up, um, you know, when evaluating compliance screening, you know, solutions and, and capabilities, I mean, what, what questions should companies ask to make sure that they're heading in the right direction? Well, there's a few there that, that pop to mind. I mean, the first would be is the content. You had mentioned the content, right? And, and it's changing. You know, there are providers out there in the marketplace that do provide the content themselves. And then there are providers in the marketplaces that resell other ones content. It's not to say one's better than the other, but you can appreciate one might be more timely than the other. So again, the sensitivity of what you're shipping, the type of shipping, you might want to make sure a per provider has that content and has the robustness of the content. Because the other thing is global content. You know, a lot of people look to the United States and a lot of the list, if you look, you know, there's some darn near 100, I think, lists that, as an example, we have in our compliance program. But you want to make sure you understand, you know, where is that content in regards to the global aspect or reach of it? Because if you have, again, um, you, if you think about embargoes are much differently out of the U.S. than they are out of Germany, right? We all have friends and, and um, frenemies that, you know, we do business with out there. So making sure that you understand, you know, do I, can I support shipping from Germany or can I support shipping from the United States and what type of program do they have in place? And that really does impact those licenses that I talked about earlier. And the other ones, I had mentioned the, the acronym solutions, right? The OMS and the ERPs and the WMSs out there, TMSs, you know, can a provider hook into those? And you, you know, I, I thought explained it extremely well when you described how it's important to kind of weigh when you hook in and how you hook into some of these. So can that provider kind of be able to manage that? Then the last one, this is sometimes overlooked, but you just want to make sure sometimes you can do those ad hocs with that provider. So we didn't talk about it, but visitors to your site. You know, again, if you're, I know when I have visited some of our customers out there that do have some sensitivity, you know, you're providing your name ahead of time and your sense, your citizenship ahead of time. Why? Because they're screening you and they're trying to make sure that visitors that visit their facility or employees, employees are sometimes overlooked, right? You just, again, if you just want to make sure that you're, you're doing business and checking them, so those are, you know, you think about your network. I started at the beginning and, you know, sometimes people focus in on where I'm going, you know, countries and people, but also you got to look at your own ecosystem, right? Internally around visitors, employees, suppliers, uh, financial institutions that you're doing business with, because all is part of that ecosystem that is ultimately could bite you, right? If, you, if you're not trying to do the right things. Yeah, a lot of great points. And I think, you know, the first point there, I think is, is important. I mean, sometimes, you know, we tend to think when we think about solutions, we tend to think about software and, uh, you know, in, in some cases, hardware as well, but, but yeah. software, but, you know, this is an area where obviously yeah, so software plays a key role, but, you know, one of the aspects of it is, is that content that you talked about, right. And how, you know, how do you get that data and that information? How do you digitize it? How do you make it available to the software that then works with the, you know, you create, creating the workflow. So, you know, content 
you know, is, is a key, you know, component of this and kind of thinking through that and understanding, you know, where does the content come from? How is it managed? You know, how global is it? And so forth. I think that's the other piece that you brought up that I, I think was interesting. Obviously, you know, we're here in the U.S., so it's, it's easy to be kind of very U.S. centric and think about imports right. and exports from the U.S., but, you know, you might be a global uh, operation and you need to be thinking exactly. about compliance from a, you know, very a global multinational, you know, standpoint. You know, uh, right now, you know, obviously one of the big stories heading into 2021 was Brexit, right? And, and perfectly. Yeah, exactly. You know, so now you've got, uh, you know, perhaps some new rules and regulations concerning, you know, imports and exports from the UK to other parts of the EU. Um, but understanding what those compliance requirements might be moving forward and having that codified and having that content managed is going to be, uh, you know, important as well. Absolutely. Well, Steve, you know, I think we covered a lot of ground uh, on this topic, uh, you know, today, as always, uh, you know, appreciate your insights and, and, and advice on this topic. And certainly it's one of those areas that, again, might have been overlooked in the past, <laughs> but uh, I think it's one of those areas that if, if companies don't have it on their to-do list to kind of take a look at their compliance screening capabilities and, and processes, um, you know, they should, they should. Uh, you know, in, in the weeks and months to come, because it's yeah, at gonna... least at least think about it once. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Steve, again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. I appreciate it. Stay safe. I appreciate it. Look forward Great. to seeing you. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Blue Jay uh, website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Steve, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day. Great.